It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four, and England have won the match. Hello, and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, supported, sponsored by LV Insurance, who, of course, are the sponsors of this England India Test Series. It's been a dramatic series, and it's come through a dramatic and very unexpected end, as I'm sure you've all heard with the cancellation of the final test, which of course means, Simon Mann, that there is now a debate going on about whether it's 2-1 to India or 2-2, and you predicted the series would end 2-1, I predicted the series would end 2-all, so we're both right, <laughs> in a way. But of course, that that is a, a very interesting, we'll get into what actually happened during the day, overnight and, and this morning, uh, in a minute, but uh, also we should just say there is a debate going on about whether the match has been forfeited or not. The English camp sort of think it has, but the Indian camp think it hasn't. Where do you sit? Well, I think the ECB initially in their statement said India forfeited the match and then they very quickly backtracked. And in their, their main statement, which you can see on their website, it no longer says the game has been forfeited. The, I can't understand for one minute how the use of forfeit got into an ECB statement. It, it seems ridiculous because it has so many uh, connotations and you actually need to hold fire on that and just wait and see. So that, that set a lot of hairs running early on. There was a you know, massive social media debate about you know whether the game had been forfeited or should have been forfeited I think we need to put that to one side basically and just say the game was abandoned it's up to the ICC to sort out what the result is and of course there is a possibility they might play it again there's there's talk of playing it next summer when India are here for a white ball series and the schedule's already been announced so they'd have to rejig that so there is a possibility that the fifth test uh, will be played again or at least the old Trafford test will be played again would it be would that result of that game be tacked onto this series 
who knows? Would it be a one-off test match? Is it just a test match for money, essentially? You know, for, for to help Lancashire out and to you know, pay back all the, sort of, you know, the broad or honour all the broadcasting commitments. I mean, there there is so much involved when you when you call a mm. test match off. I mean, in a way, especially in England, because so, so much money is staked on it, and, and and also especially when India play, because you know they, they are the financial powerhouse and they are the they are the country that makes all the money for everybody else. So there's there's so yeah. much involved. Totally right. Uh, it could be 30 million at stake uh, for this one match. Of course, the losers are, well, Sky TV, the covers of the game, and, and, and to a lesser extent, the BBC, Lancashire, uh, and also, of course, all the spectators who uh, were ready for the, for the game and were travelling on the way or were already there. It's some, funny, isn't it? It's, it's like it, there's some weird parallels with, but yet contrasts, with the, the game that was uh, abandoned in 2006 uh, at the Oval, Pakistan, who of course refused to come out after tea because uh, the, the ball had been almost impounded by the umpires who claimed they'd been ball tampering and Pakistan were penalised five runs and uh, then the Pakistanis refused to come out after tea and so they actually did forfeit the game. It was deemed forfeited and uh, the series ended to all. Uh, so weird parallels and yet contrast. In this case, obviously, it's a bit like uh, admitting uh, guilt after a car accident, isn't it? You immediately become uh, liable as a result if you if you do sort of uh, uh, admit blame. So the Indians, uh, if they do admit that they forfeited the game, then the compensation clauses and the insurance and all that will suddenly come home uh, at their door, be knocking at their door for some kind of compensation, which is why they've kind of manoeuvred their way into a position where, although it looks as if they have forfeited the game because the English authorities, the medical authorities said that it was clean, you know, that their team were clean and that they were free to play the match, but they've obviously decided they don't want to for whatever reason, and we'll, we'll delve into that in, in a bit. But because they've avoided the forfeit claim, uh, and said, well, we are willing to replay the match at some point. Therefore, they can sort of potentially wriggle out of having to stump up any compensation. Well, I, I think that's the, re- the reason why that, that forfeit word needed to be taken out of the ECB statement, because actually there, there, needs to, there needed to be and needs to be discussions around uh, the result of the game. And it actually goes to the ICC to decide uh, what the official state of the, of the final test match is. is. So it's actually to sort of jump the gun in a way. Uh, was 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 wrong in that initial ECB statement. I think that was acknowledged by the fact it was taken out pretty quickly. I mean, I mean, in a way, what the result of the game is 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 immaterial. Well, it's sort of immaterial. It's not not perhaps immaterial if you, if you had a bet on the outcome of the series. I mean, what do the bookmakers do, for example. I mean, you might people might say, well, that's a very subsidiary issue. But you know, people have bet money on the outcome of the series. Do the bookmakers pay out on two one? Do they pay out on two two? Does no one get the money? I don't know what the, the answer to that is. I mean, that's the point. There is, there are so many uh, knock ons for this. I mean, as you said, the big losers are you know. Are the broadcasters, the the spectators, uh, the Manchester economy? I mean, there is there is so much uh, involved, and you know, we'll we should look at the players as well because what what was interesting um, was that Tom Harrison uh, he came on the BBC and he did a an interview and he what he talked about was the mental health issues for the for the Indian players. He didn't really talk about COVID and, because that I mean that has been the issue in a way, hasn't it? Because uh, first Ravi uh, Shastri attested. Positive for COVID. Then Barrett, Aaron, the bowling coach, R. Sridhar, the fielding coach, Nitin Patel, the, the physio, and then this week Yogesh Pama, the assistant physio. So they they all tested positive for for COVID. 
But he didn't really talk about COVID. He talked about the mental health issues uh, for the Indian team as being sort of the, the big issue. And what what are we to draw from that? Well, I think that they've been they've been in bubbles. Uh, they've been in. Over over the course of you know quite a few months, not not specifically in England actually, because they were there was much more freedom. But you're in this team environment, uh, you you know you're, you're being tested, you're you're having to restrict your movements to to some extent, and you know you've got another uh, period of quarantine coming up before you you go to the IPL. People within your camp are testing positive for COVID, you know, and you and you're coming to the end of a long tour. So mm. all these things build up, and you, you st- and I think that was the that was that was the impression I got that it was a, it was a sort of fear within the camp about you know how far this is going to spread if we play are we all going to be in contact with, with each other are we all going to get COVID it, it seems to me that was the sort of downward spiral and, and the point I think the point to make is that this is a jigsaw and we don't have all the pieces yet it's quite a complicated jigsaw and we don't have all the pieces so it's worth not jumping the gun on a few things but that's what I would uh, infer from what Tom Harrison has said that it's that sort of within that team environment and you know we've we've all been on long tours and you know there is that you do get that sort of exhaustion element towards the end and you want you you know you want to go home I mean of course it's like a horse isn't it a horse bolts you know much faster for the end when it's past the halfway and it's on the way home and I I, within within a team environment these sentiments can really escalate if you get a couple of you know quite leading players strong voices saying you know we we, we, we're we're nervous here we're Mm. feeling you know impounded we're feeling kind of uh, anxious about what's happening and maybe we could get COVID. And it starts to sort of percolate within everybody. And, you know, the stronger voices win the day, but there is a momentum that is almost unstoppable, a sort of groundswell of opinion in the end within a team, which just gets more and more momentum and until it becomes unstoppable. And that is that then you almost start to believe everything even if some of it is probably just hyperbole yeah and and uh, it, you know it's been a real arm wrestle of a series as well it's been really you know really tough really hard fought brilliant cricket at, 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 in many times in the in the series and uh, you know i think both sides are probably quite tired uh, i think it, mm. the in- indians are tired they've been here a long time uh, they came here before the world test championship final and they stayed on afterwards and you know we're, we're allowed some r and r around the uk and then back into their bubble again and then the t- the series has been you know really really tough, and you know, perhaps it does you know we we I think sometimes we're we're, we're a bit guilty and, and I look at social media and I think people out there they react very emotionally to it and they help you know there's lots of accusations flying around but you know we often treat players like pawns really we don't we don't think of them enough as people I think that's that's one yeah, and, one and thing also I would we're say. the older generation we have to accept that and the younger generation have different perspectives on things. And, you know, I've talked to Joss Butler about this a bit. Actually, you know, Ben Stokes, in fact, I, I spoke to him before he, uh, you know, made his withdrawal in, in June. And, you know, uh, actually one of the interesting characters that I spoke to a bit was Jimmy Neesham, the New Zealander, who was here for Essex and then he played in the 100 for, for Welsh Fire. And and he, I was actually talking to him about the Stokes issue uh, when I had a, a day with him doing some filming, and you know, he was saying we 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 don't necessarily uh, the, the the public don't necessarily understand what it's like for the players now uh, being consigned to these uh, unusual circumstances and the stress involved in having to perform all the time, and then nowhere to escape afterwards. You can't go back to your natural home environment 
to disengage and, and just de-stress, you're back in the hotel with your teammates, sort of almost under observation all the time. We've had sports psychologists on our show, haven't we, talking about that kind of thing. And uh, it, 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 if you're not in it, you don't have the same sense of what it actually is like. And we can sort of accuse them of being feeble and weak. But unless you're there... Really got no idea. Yeah, I think that's a. I think that's a really good observation. That I mean, do we need to say anything more about that? I think that that you know that really uh, nails it. So, so what's the timeline then, Simon? Um, you know, this has been sort of brewing, I suppose, and since last Saturday when Ravi Shastri was was tested positive, he'd been at a book launch the week before, which was very sort of un biosecure, clearly with yeah. quite a lot of people there, no masks, no, no social distancing or anything. Uh, and, and it sort of it seems to have picked up from there. So, what about uh, the last night and today when you've been in Manchester? What, what's been the chain of events? Well, I, I think we, we, you know, you had a sense that things were brewing when India didn't turn up to practice yesterday. It was a voluntary practice session, and, and no one turned up. There was no media at all. Uh, there was a, a WhatsApp message group um, where the Indian press officer is involved, where he gives out information to various media, and there was sort of nothing on that. People were asking questions. You know, so I think there was one that said, "Is the test going to happen?" And you know, there was nothing, nothing whatsoever. So you, you knew that something uh, was afoot. And we, you know, we knew about the positive test for Yogesh Palmer. And of course, one of the issues is that some of the Indian players obviously have been uh, suffering with injuries. I and mean, you think of the last test match, there was Rohit Sharma had that problem. And there was uh, Cheshwar Pujara had an ankle problem. There was a niggle for Siraj as well. So you know, they were inevitably, you'd think, in close contact with the, with the physio team who, who, who tested positive. So you, know, you only have to you sort of put two and two together and you think, hold on a second, what, you know, what, what, is, what is going on? Uh, but the, the tests uh, came back negative. And 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 think who where did that information come from? Well, that was that information obviously got out into the public domain. You know, look, come on, we can play because uh, who, you know, who put that out? I'm not sure, but uh, you know, we we can play because the the, the tests are negative. But you know, ob- obviously, uh, things were going on during the night. Lots of conversations during the night. I'll come to that in just a moment. But you know, when I went down to breakfast this morning, first person I saw was Jonathan Agnew. Who said to me, "The game's not going to take place today. You know, there's no play today." Uh, because they want more, they want more tests, uh, and then ten minutes later, I got a message saying, you know, the game is is going to be called off. There's going to be an announcement uh, fairly soon, and 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 then it was released what a couple of hours before the start of the the day's play. And of course, lots of people travelled from lots of parts of the world. I mean, parts of the country to to watch the test match. I think some I had someone come down from Edinburgh for the day to watch. You know, but anyway, so you know, hugely, massively inconvenient for those people who've got tickets. First three days sold out, twenty two thousand uh, per day, and you know, tickets are later in the game as well. All the corporate hospitality, or you know, everything really to do with the the game and the the Manchester economy. So that you know, that was the. That was the sort of timeline of the day, and then the you know then the you know more detail. The interview started. Uh, you know Tom Harrison coming on, and and, and Tom, <laughs> I mean he he said you know there'd been lots of conversations going on all night, and he did look like someone who had been up all night, uh, tr- you know, clearly trying to get the game on. But and he, and what he did do as well is it you know he was extremely placatory towards the BCCI, the the the, the governors of cricket in India, saying you know they they wanted to play the game. Uh, but it, it, you know, this came from the players, so you know gradually more information. Uh, you know was really saying you know they want to, um, uh, you know they they want to play it again. The, and the BCCI released a statement saying you know we're we're going to have discussions about playing the game uh, next summer. So that sort of knocked on the head the forfeit story. 
um, which which you know which came out in the ECB statement, the initial ECB statement, which which quickly changed. You know, the, you know the game has not been forfeited. So you know there was a a heck of a lot uh, going on to get to, but you know get to the bottom line of uh, the the test match has been called off. And there will be people who say, well, hold on a second. Uh, Ravi Shastri was tested positive during the on on the morning of the fourth day of the of the last test match. You know why wasn't that game uh, you know, called off then and there? Uh, but mm. the requirements have changed uh, uh, since then. But you know, one of the point being, well, if you know, if it wasn't if, if it wasn't called off then, why should it be called off now? But then that goes into you know, the lot, again, one or two of the jigsaw pieces that we don't have about what was going on in that Indian dressing room, you know, surrounding all the discussions about all the all the backroom staff who were who were testing positive. I mean, Alison Mitchell said she got you know texts from uh, her friends, colleagues in in Australia, saying, you know. What, 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 why is the why is the fourth test continuing? You know, if Ravi Shastri has tested positive, he must have been in contact with all the players, and you you think he probably would have been, but you know the rules are a bit different, and on we went. Um, so and then we, but eventually, perhaps just too many people tested positive, and the the players had those sort of fears, anxieties about what you know what was going to happen next. Um, I think one thing we should say is about the IPL. I mean, lots of social media comments saying, "Well, this is this is fine. You know, they'll they'll all play in the IPL, or they're going to the IPL next. This is protect the IPL." I think mm. the the point is the IPL will test. So if players, te- you know, test positive, they'll you know they they will have to isolate for the for the full time. You know, it, mm. so I don't fully I don't fully understand that. Um, no. the no, IPL I mean, of course, argument. it goes back to. You know, May when the the Indian board originally tried to get yeah. the English board to bring this final test forward a bit, uh, so that there was more time for the players to return to India and play in the IPL or return to Dubai and, and play in the IPL, and that obviously hasn't happened. I, I think I mean I've spoken to a chief executive of the IPL and IPL team today and asked him directly. You know, was there pressure put from IPL franchises to get these players? you know, back clean, you know, COVID free and all that. And he said, absolutely not. He's had nothing to do with it. Absolutely no, no way. All the players, when they arrive in Dubai, will have to isolate for, I think, six days. Owen Morgan's already there. And he's he said to me he'd have to isolate for five or six days before you know being allowed out to train. So whether they test positive or negative, they're going to have to spend a bit of time in quarantine uh, when they get to Dubai. Um, so some of them will not be able to play in the first game or two anyway, um, because it's, it starts on the 19th uh, in, in a week, just over a week's time. So I don't think the IPL would have put these players under pressure. I mean, if you look at the first uh, bit of the IPL in, in, in April, May, uh, then there were players who were arriving and had to wait till, till they played. Joss Butler was one. You know, he couldn't play initially. Uh, he had to wait for a couple of games before he was allowed to play. So I don't think actually the IPL has put players under pressure to to be there. Um, obviously, it's an important tournament. It's worth 300 million to the to the global game as well as to the individual players. But I suppose the spectre of it and playing in it for six weeks, more kind of security and bio bubble sort of. Um, uh, nature um, not being at home at all because it's in Dubai will have had a little bit of a uh, a play on their minds, but I think it was a, a sub, sub supplementary issue rather than the main one. 
Yeah, I mean, I suppose you could one one thought that strikes me is that you know the last thing the IPL would want would be to lose, say, the whole India squad that's going to the IPL for the you know for a, another ten day isolation period, and then they'd have to get sort of match fit again. You know that that sort of undermines the sort of star quality of the tournament. So you you know you want to try to mitigate. Uh, the risk you want to, you know, as few if if people are, have got COVID within the Indian squad, you want to mitigate that as much as possible. So you know, it, it so it, you know, the smaller number as possible. If it's two or three, obviously that's better than all twenty in the in the squad because you do you do lose a bit of star quality. That's one thought that, that strikes me. But you, but yeah, there, there, there's going to have to be a quarantine period anyway. So th- to me, that seems a bit of a red herring. Uh, there was, you know, there's been a lot of social media comment about that, but I, I don't I don't totally. S- see the logic of the argument if you if you think it right through unless there's someone out yeah. there that can put me right on that and say yeah well it is all about uh, the IPL of course the IPL is important to the to the BCCI you know as you say it's worth millions and millions of dollars but that you know those players are not going to be playing in it if they've got covid uh, so it you know it, it, it's as simple as that really Tredegar Cricket Club has been providing cricket for the people of Tredegar for over 100 years, but in recent years, interest and participation in the sport has dwindled. A grant from LV Insurance and the ECB's £1 million Fund for Runs Community Initiative aims to help turn this around for the Welsh club. Unfortunately, the local authority ended maintenance of the club's cricket pitch in Tredegar, forcing the club to play outside the town last year. Their former venue, the Recreation Ground, has now been taken over as part of a community asset transfer and the funding will enable the club to put a new artificial pitch back on the ground and bring cricket back to the town again. Best of luck to the club, and I hope you have a great remainder of the summer. England created an unfortunate precedent here uh, by returning from South Africa early, uh, a year or so ago. Actually, how long ago was it? It was the end of it was in December. It was last. It was last. It was last December. Last December. Yeah. God, time. Yeah. It feels like yeah. longer ago than that somehow. Uh, so it was last December where they came home early because some hotel staff and some uh, South African players tested positive, and so in, in England came back early. And I know that you know the ECB were disappointed in England doing that. They were kind of coming back early to, so they could be with their their families at Christmas. They were worried that if they tested positive themselves, they would have to kind of quarantine in England before seeing their family over Christmas. Uh, I think England bailed a bit prematurely there, uh, but but it's easy to it's easy to sort of point the finger. But I know that the ECB were disappointed with that, and it was the first signs of player power, which we're seeing. You know now, uh, uh, kind of very dominant and, and almost escalating. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's right. And, and one of the points about that, and it was made at the time, and because it hasn't happened yet, is that that South Africa series has, has yet has got to be rearranged. So I mean, there's talk about replaying it or, or or actually playing it. So it's a three match, one day international series. Of course, you know there were television rights all bound up with it, so money for the South African uh, cricket board. So presumably, sometime England uh, will go back and play it. So it's not like, you know, it's not. I mean. South Africa probably needed the money then and there, but the idea being that they will get it sometime in the future. Well, that's that was the theory at the time, and it's the same as this: that is that you know if this game is not played, then you know money will have to be handed back to to Sky, uh, for example. So there mm. will be there, and Lancashire don't want to lose all that money, so they'll they'll want to to, to replay it as well, play it again sometime. And, and 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 of course, Lancashire hasn't got a Test match next summer, so they'll you know, mm. they'll be doubly keen to. 
to, to you know, I mean, stage this, it. This whole thing, it, it's, it, it's a horrible precedent to set for you know, future negotiations for, for sport, isn't it? Because if players are able to get matches, tournaments, you know, sort of put off or rearrange or whatever fairly, not easily, but they, they've got the power to do it, is it going to make broadcasters hesitant about bidding for, for big sporting events in the future? I mean, now we've got the Ashes very much uh, uh, uncertain again. The uncertainty around the Ashes will, will continue because players have, have shown their ability to, to really wield the power and England are reluctant to go to, to Australia without some guarantees that their families can accompany them without the, the restrictions that uh, the Australians want to put on them. So, you know, it does put a lot of these series in jeopardy. And in a way, it's one of the reasons uh, that, that something like the 100 is very important because it's domestic cricket, which a board has a bit more control over, the IPL as well. Uh, whereas international sport, in, especially in the current environment with COVID raging around the world, is very difficult to sustain. You know, you, you don't know how different countries are going to react to situations. Uh, you know, a country like the West Indies or Pakistan were amazing last summer at what they gave up, what they sacrificed. But, you know, Australians, New Zealanders, less willing. So uh, it, it does put, at the moment anyway, in these unreal uh, situations, it does put international series in jeopardy and therefore broadcasting bids in jeopardy. Yeah, Tom Harrison was asked about whether the Australia series uh, could be postponed uh, today and he said um, he didn't think so. I mean, I, I got a very strong impression from what he said that it, it would go ahead. And he used the analogy, which I thought was quite an interesting one. He said, imagine if we called off an Ashes series here you know what? What would that do to our cricket? It, you know, it would it would rip the guts out of it of, of a summer, wouldn't it? When there would you know there'd be so little income uh, coming in, and I think there's that, that that fellow feeling towards the Australian cricket board. Imagine if we just took the ashes away from them this winter, what that would do to them. So I think there is a, a you know there is a will to play, and there, but there are still lots of questions and logistical issues uh, to sort out in the next few months. Not least, uh, you know, will families be allowed to go, and and therefore you know which members of the England's uh, England squad uh, will go, and and also where it will be played. I mean, there's a story today saying that there's a there's a not a chance that the Sydney Test match will be taken away from its traditional, uh, you know, traditional staging time of, of of New Year, and perhaps even playing that you know the Sydney Test in Perth. So you know that wh where are the games going to be played? I mean, there is there is so much still up in the air. Wh where they're going to be played. Um, you know where and when uh, and who's going to be there which England player which of the England squad members are going to be there um, England have just lost this series well I think they've lost it 2-1 uh, to India uh, whoever goes it's going to be a really a really tough testing series uh, for England um, I don't know what my prediction for that is going to be from the, from this distance, but I don't. You know, it's going to it's going to be very difficult for England in Australia. What you know, whatever happens in in the next uh, few months. But before then, there's the T Twenty World Cup, and you know, you, th you think about the Indian players looking at this. They've got they've been here for for four months or whatever it is. It feels mm. like forever. They're going to the IPL. Then there's the T Twenty World Cup. Then they've got a home season against New Zealand. Home series against New Zealand. I mean, there's you know, there's 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 mm. so much uh, cricket. It's 24-7 cricket, mm, isn't it? 24-7, yeah. 12 months of the year. I mean, especially if you're an Indian or a, an English player. So let's just, just think about the cricket for a second. Um, the, the series is over, sadly, an anti-climax. What's your highlight? I mean, I, I'll give you mine. I, I think my highlight of the series was actually 
the batting and the bowling uh, on that first morning at Lords, where the situations, the conditions were de- very conducive to bowling first, and England bowled brilliantly, and they couldn't get a wicket. And uh, I thought the batting, particularly of Rohit Sharma, was wonderful to behold. And you know, when you look at somebody like him, a white ball specialist who's made several double hundreds in white ball cricket, he's an absolute elite player in opening the batting in 50 overs and T20, captain of the Mumbai Indians who won the IPL so many times, never made a 100 outside India in test cricket, though he's made plenty in one-day cricket. And just the, the, the abstinence he showed, the beautiful technique that he exhibited, the patience, the ability to recognise the situation and not go for big shots and just play a resourceful game and try and make a 100 uh, at Lords, which he'd never done, which ultimately he was denied by the most brilliant delivery by Jimmy Anderson. That you know, duel between Anderson and Rohit Sharma during that morning session and then sort of afternoon was absolutely wonderful. So for me, the, you know, and, and Rohit really won that battle. And I think India, even though their, their 2-1 series victory is sort of pyrrhic in a way, at the same time, they were slightly the better side. And I thought that that spell of cricket sort of encapsulated it. Yeah, I mean, India's opening partnership is actually one of the the crucial aspects of them winning the series because KL Rahul made 100 in that test match as well and then Rohit, of course, made 100 at the Oval in their, their two victories. So there's that. Also, I mean, amazingly, really, when you think of how England started the series, the, the question marks over their opening partnership, we've now had 200, 200 stands for England's opening partnership as well between Burns and Hamid but at Headingley and at the Oval. So, you know, a few sort of green shoots, I suppose, as far as England are concerned, at the top of the order. I mean, yeah, Ro- Rohit and K.R. Rahul, Bumra. I think... Yeah, Bumra, in- those two wickets in, at the Oval, yeah. Bumra, you know, knocking yeah. over Pope and Bairstow, brilliant as well. Yeah. Took the fan- wicket out of the equation. Yeah, fa- fa- fantastic. And, and India's irresistible irresistibility if I can say the word on the last two days of the Lord's Test and the Oval Test you know England going into those sort of days with an opportunity of possibly winning drawing certainly but then blown away by you know, brilliant Indian cricket on on the last day a, a, a absolute highlight of what has been a riveting uh, series but also we, we mustn't forget there's one person we haven't mentioned here we mustn't forget him and that's Joe Root 300s in the series and sort of dragging England's batting along just about. And you, you, have, you felt at times it, it hasn't been root uh, this summer, well, this year in actual fact, it isn't going to be anybody. And, mm. and some, someone, or more than one, needs to step up and support him, really, if England to have any chance uh, in Australia. I mean, England have played, what, I think 12 test matches this summer, uh, this year, and only one other player has scored 100. Root scored, what, six, is it? And only one other player has scored 100, and that was Rory Burns uh, earlier in the summer. Well, I've just written a piece for the next Cricketer Issue, actually, which is out in a, in a week's time, uh, about Joe Root. Do we anoint him as England's greatest ever player? Obviously, it's a debate which is difficult to have because you know the, the, the greats of the past, like Walter Hammond and Len Hutton and uh, Jack Hobbs, people like that, You know, there's no real footage to, to really compare them they had they're playing in a different era but certainly in the modern era sort of since the the 1970s the last 50 years uh nobody no England player has averaged 50 in both formats uh consistently as he has he scored more runs in a 
calendar year already than any England player has ever done. He scored more hundreds in international cricket, 39, than England, any England player has ever done. And he's only 30. <laughs> you know, so what, whatever he's going to achieve. I've calculated to overtake Alistair Cook's uh, eventual target of 12,400 runs. Root needs probably about another 38 tests. He's averaging, I think, eight, about 85 runs per test. So if he gets uh, 85 runs per test for the next 38 tests, he will overtake Alistair Cook. And that will take him, COVID uh, escalations permitting, that will take him about three and a bit years. 12 tests a year, 38 tests in three and a bit years. So he'll still be less than 34. He'll be 33 years old, potentially, and overtaking Alistair Cook's record. Well, you know... If that doesn't make him the greatest England bats from the last 50 years, I don't know what does. No. Well, um, he's, he's been phenomenal uh, this year. Because because what he has done is, is remember that was that criticism, turning those 50s into 100. And, and he, you know, not only has he mm. turned, he's got turns 50s into 100, he's actually turned 100s into double 100s uh, this year. But um, yeah, there, there needs to be some uh, support uh, for him. Yeah, you mentioned three of the greats of the past. I mean, I suppose the the player in the modern era since I've been watching to to rival him in terms of quality, Kevin Peterson, mm-hmm. um, you know, fan, yeah. fantastic player, fantastic player to to watch. Um, yeah, brilliant. Just a hard player to manage in the end, I think. I mean, I I just it, this is a sort of I suppose more of an emotional and and slightly sort of um tenuous argument, but he was just he, he had he was uh, in a way Peterson was uh, alternately incredibly self-confident and actually unbelievably fragile. And over time, he took a bit of time to manage. And funnily enough, you know, you think about it, Root came through when Peterson was in slight decline. And in that big series, 2013-14 Ashes, when, you know, Mitchell Johnson was raging through England like a, a wild bushfire, Peterson was asked when Trot went home, Peterson was asked to bat at three and refused. So Joe Root had to bat at three and and got dropped after the fourth test, uh, came back strongly the following summer and ne- never looked back. Yeah, well, he's he's had a, a, a great year. Other, other sort of, I mean, other top, we're sort of um, riffing a bit here now, but other sort of top players in my uh, watching lifetime. I mean, I mean, in terms of pure pleasure to watch, uh, David Gower, mm, and then yeah. Jeff, Jeffrey, of course, has been a, was yeah. a phen- phenomenon. Uh, and then Graham, Graham Gooch as well. So uh, those yeah. are the you know those the three from the past you mentioned. Then we don't we haven't talked about the likes of Dexter and Cowdery and 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 May and that you know those type of players and Ben Barrington those sort of players mm. before we started before we were born before we were watching uh, cricket. But uh, but though, you know he's, well, yeah might, might be before you were born. I saw um, <laughs> Colin Cowdery. Colin Cowdery was my first hero. Well, actually. well actually anyway, I did, he I, was he was getting towards the end. By yeah, I'm sure. I did I did see some of Cowdery of course seventy four five in in Australia on on you know on the TV highlights. Um, yeah, he was the same. first autograph I ever got, actually, Colin Cowdery. I went to Canterbury in about the early 70s, and, yeah, he was my hero. Well, I saw him score 100 for England on his 100th uh, test appearance at Edgebaston 1968, and I was hooked thereafter. Obviously, yeah. could never bat, but I loved the, I loved watching him. Well, I forgot you were a closet uh, Kent man. I always thought you were Middlesex, but you revealed not so long ago that you were a Kent supporter uh, when you were younger. I think we should probably just end the podcast, uh, Yoz, by sort of just looking at the series and, and sort of, you know, best series in England since, you know, si- since when? I mean, it's, it's been, I mean, it's mm. had, it has had so much 
uh, intrigue, hasn't it? And and so much excitement and sort of toing and froing. And you know, England had that amazing win at Headingley, but blown away on the last two days at, at Lords and and the Oval. And of course, they might well have lost at at, at Trent Bridge as well. Um, and they've had their they've had their top order rearranged, which we thought could happen, but it might actually, as it turns out, it might actually be for the better for them. Uh, you know, going mm. to Australia. Um, but I suppose best best since two thousand and five, probably. I mean, the two thousand and nine Ashes when Pete, um, Panasar and Anderson held out at Cardiff, and you know Australia looked as if they were going to take that series really initially, but then England managed to re- regroup and and eventually got it themselves. I mean, that was quite you know there was a brilliant uh, test at Chester Street uh, when Stuart Broad raged through Australia. Was that? Tw- that was, two, that, that was later, yeah. That was, was 2013. 2013. But so, yeah. And that one, uh, the first test, England won by 17 runs when Anderson got the last wicket Brad had in. Pretty good. Um, but I, I think probably this series had more ebbs and flows, really, and more uncertainty. Uh, so, yeah, I think it, it gets gets my vote as, as the best since 2005, I reckon. Yeah, with an you know with an incredible sort of uh, remarkable conclusion to it. I think I, mean, I think that's the thing. I think so many people going to Old Trafford with a sense of anticipation over the next uh, five days. Actually, I, I mean I was in Manchester today, obviously, and the weather was fine as well. A lot of people saying it was you know it was going to rain today, but I think you know we would have played probably from the start, and uh, by the time I left, it was it was still dry and the forecast not too bad. So you know, so over the next few days, we could have had more more thrilling cricket and we wanted more as well because the oval had left us uh, with that with that feeling of of yeah. anticipation but it but it wasn't to be and a you know a remarkable um sad end really to there's been a great series and I do feel extremely sorry for for Lancashire and for you know for Manchester as a, a sort of a city really so it's sort of staging a game and you, so much goes into it um and it's it left for that sense of anticlimax but yeah, uh, yeah true yeah well but there we um, go we, we sadly for for Readers of the Cricketer magazine, of course, this has all happened after our issue has gone to press. So none of this will be covered in the next issue, which is out in a few days' time. But ironically, we have got Joe Root on the cover looking agonised uh, as he'd got out at the Oval. And that's the last, pretty much the last action of the series that we've seen. Uh, and obviously, India 2-1 up. So it's sort of left kind of precariously poised in the Cricketer magazine. Well, now we all know what actually happened. So it's sort of almost a suspension in time, I think, the, the next magazine. Obviously, no podcast to bring you uh, as a result of the cancellation of the test match. But I have got some one little kind of thing in store, which is I did an interview uh, the other day with the young Warwickshire star, Chris Benjamin. So we'll release that uh, later, perhaps at the end of the weekend. Very interesting character, very talented player, made a 50 on debut for Warwickshire in the Royal London Cup, a 50 on debut in the Vitality Blast, and then a 100 on debut in the County Championship last week. So a very exciting young player who you've probably seen play in the 100 for Birmingham Phoenix. Very interesting character, wants to be an international, may, may, may just be the next Joss Butler. I've just kind of given him that tagline, probably quite hard to live down, but that's uh, on the podcast list next for you. And as I said, the Cricketer Magazine out next week as well. You can subscribe to that by going to www.thecricketer.com. And that's it, I think, for this week and a bizarre end to a great series. Um, And the arguments will run and run about what the actual final score is, I suppose. (laughs) 
yeah and people will have their own views about what we've said on this podcast as well but um that that's how i see it that's how you see it and and it's for everyone else out there to 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 agree or rage away yeah and actually rage away let's give us a review uh, of this podcast you can do that but if you go to itunes there's a space there for posting a review and also you can put your own opinions as well we'd love to read them and we'll we'll relay them on the next pod if you either put them on the itunes uh, site or perhaps on one of our twitter accounts as well we'll read out the best ones in the next show great thanks very much for listening back soon Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.